0: Every little thing you think that you need, every little thing you think that you need, every little thing that's just feeding your greed, oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. All
1: right, Ryan, before we dive into this special live episode, man, this was one of my favorite events. This one was in Indianapolis, but we had who might the person who might be my favorite musician right now yeah he didn't just open up the show but then we dragged him onto the onto the uh, podcast and talked about his podcast and uh, talked about his album that's coming out today actually so this this episode is coming out august 25th and andrew bell is on this episode with us and it was such a great time i'm (sighs) i'm I haven't listened to the because we're recording this before the album comes out. I haven't yeah. listened to the album yet. Well, it's
2: funny because you just said it's coming out today and I got so excited. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. We're, re- we're recording this for August 25th. <laughs> right, right. I mean, we've heard a few of the singles that
1: have come come out so yeah. far and they're so, so good. I've Dude, he just he's the most intentional musician he like, really is he takes five years to put together an album Unbelievable. and he yeah. spends that whole five years working on the album Yeah, it's it really is unbelievable so Andrew Bell's new album is out today it's called Dive Deep you can get it wherever you get albums these days At your local CD connections <laughs> in Middletown Ohio <laughs> <laughs> Ryan and I used to go to these uh, overnight things remember in 1997 when Wu Tang's Forever album came dude, out dude I
2: snuck out of my house that's right, you your mom your mom all rolled up with the lights off in my driveway <laughs> <laughs> my mom was such a bad influence oh uh, no she wasn't she knew that it was no big deal and that my dad was overreacting a, a little little too strict yeah we went
1: out to the midnight sale and it was a school night too yeah and we got wu-tang forever's album at midnight when the cd connection in middletown ohio opened up and uh I mean, I guess I don't know if there's a midnight sale for the Dive Deep album by Andrew Bell, but <laughs> but it's already after midnight. So you can go to iTunes or Tidal or Spotify or wherever you listen to to your music these days. You can buy the album. You can stream it. Check it out. And in, in the podcast, we also mentioned that his last album, which came out, it was uh, almost five years ago. I think it was like four or four and a half years ago. It's called Black Bear. It's my favorite album
2: in the last five years. It's yeah. pro- it's it's
1: the album of the decade so
2: far. Yeah, for if it's me. not yeah, if it's not if it's not my number one, it's my number two. Yeah. And so we brought him on the podcast.
1: We we also talked about his podcast that that he he puts out there. And it's a podcast is different from any other podcast that that I've listened to because it's a podcast about food, which you're like, how could you have a podcast about food? And you're a musician, but it's a podcast about childhood via food memories mm. is is the best way that I could describe it. It's called Stemma. We'll put a link to his album. We'll put a link to his podcast in the show notes. Before we dive into that episode, though, Ryan, let's talk real quick. We're hitting the road again uh, next week, man. We're headed to Canada, and if you just listened to our last episode which came out a few days ago. We, we went through all the dates. I'll just go through them really quickly. We have a bunch of special guests on uh, many of these dates, but only a few tickets are left in Canada. We'll be in Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, Vancouver, Calgary, and Edmonton. Edmonton might be sold out. Actually, most of these might be sold out by the time this comes out. But you can head to lessisnow.com. It's called the Less Is Now Tour. Ryan and I give an in-depth talk about minimalism, and we also record a live version of the podcast. We dish out a bunch of hugs afterward. Almost all of Canada is sold out at this point, but find a few straggler tickets in there if you can. LessIsNow.com. From there, we're headed over to New York. We have three stops in New York City. Two of those are sold out. Manhattan is sold out. Brooklyn is sold out. But we have a new stop set up in Brooklyn on September 20th.
2: Dude, I just got to mention that Scott from Charity Water is going to be at that first Brooklyn stop. Yes. So it's not sold out yet. And if you like Charity Water... And, uh, if you've seen any of Scott's videos, I mean, he's just, he's an unbelievable character. So anyway, it, it's, it's well worth, it's well worth, uh, the ticket.
1: Yeah, definitely. And by the way, if you're in Montreal, our our friend Julian Smith will be joining us in, in Montreal, I I know a bunch of, we had a bunch of folks from Montreal come to our Vermont stop when we were in Vermont earlier this year. And so I, I talked to a bunch of people there who were like, yeah, and then I'll see you again in September. So a few tickets left in Montreal. Julian Smith, he's the founder of Breather, he's one of my favorite most prolific authors but then he stopped writing and i want to talk to him about why he stopped writing and decided to start a business instead so we'll record that on the podcast as well Uh, philadelphia on september 21st and then we're headed over to salt lake city our friend courtney carver will be there with us october 5th and the next night in denver that one might be sold out already um go ahead and check if you're in denver and you haven't haven't gotten tickets yet denver might already be sold out and then Phoenix, we have our friend Joshua Becker from Becoming Minimalist. He's going to be at the live show there and on the podcast. And then Texas, we have three stops in Texas, Alston, Dallas, and Houston. Alston is already sold out. Our friend Cruz Spence will be there with us giving out relationship advice. And then uh, we're going to be in the south, right? Nashville, Washington, D.C., Atlanta, and Tampa. We have special guests at all of those. Nashville Griffin House will be there playing music, but also talking about an amateur's perspective on minimalism. And then uh, Washington, D.C., Cal Newport, famed professor, author, computer scientist, and all-around outstanding guy is going to make us look like a bunch of children because he's so smart. We'll do our best to keep up with him uh, in Washington, D.C. That's a huge theater, and that one's almost sold out. Atlanta, J.P. Sears will be making fun of us on stage for 90 minutes. <laughs> We're basically just getting roasted that night. <laughs> yes. If you want to see a roast of the minimalists, yes, come to our Atlanta stop. There are still some <laughs> tickets available there. Tampa might be sold out at this point. We're trying to find a few more tickets for that or maybe even a bigger theater. I don't know if that's going to work. Head on over to lessisnow.com to check that out. We're trying to get our friend's brother Cephas to, to open up as well. My favorite music so far this year, I think, has been Brother Sevis' EP called Not That Important.
2: I I have not listened to that yet.
1: You've got to check it out, man. It's so good. And then we're ending the North American tour in December. No better place than Detroit and Milwaukee. Bring your puffer jacket,
2: Ryan. You know, dude, it's going to be cold. I won't be able to wear my, you know, barefoot shoes, my zero shoes. You could. You could be like Wim Hof. You know, he he,
1: like, scaled part of mount everest and like shorts and barefoot um i guess you could do that in detroit you might step on some glass though i'm just happy we're going to detroit man yeah man we've never had a tour stop in detroit and we've always i mean we've we've been close yeah we were in ann arbor right
2: (laughs) but but we'll actually be in detroit you go to
1: saginaw no we've never been to saginaw yeah we should do a tour stop in saginaw (laughs) screw detroit we're going to saginaw (laughs) y'all And then we're no, headed, we're not. We'll be in Detroit. And then we're headed to Flint. <laughs> no, and, and then and then Pontiac, Josh, Michigan.
2: Remember, we wanted this intro to be shorter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, why don't why are you hating on Pontiac, Michigan? <laughs> I got nothing against Pontiac, Michigan. All right. Well, if you're in Saginaw. You're in Pontiac. You're in Flint. Come on down to the the, the uh, Detroit stop. And then, um, oh, let's see. Milwaukee is where we're ending the year. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That is in Wisconsin. Saving right? the best for last. Yeah. Well, that's not even the actual last though, because then in March. Well, the last for 2017. Yes, but March 2018, we're headed on over to uh, Australia, New Zealand.
2: I know. I'm so pumped. Yeah, man. Uh, those I'm dates. I'm so excited to go back to. We haven't met
1: there since 2014. No, it's been. It'll be f- almost four years. Yeah. Uh, you know, so so, and our audience God, has grown flies. significantly, like, man. Yeah, man, in, in Australia,
2: so we didn't have a podcast back then, no, and we still were selling out. I mean, you remember, like Sydney was our biggest tourist stop, like Ever. up to that point. Yeah, yeah, we our, had
1: fourteen hundred people there. Yeah, it was nuts. And was so, nuts. Um, and then, so we'll be in Sydney most likely. We'll be in Melbourne. We'll be in. Brisbane will be in Auckland, maybe some others as well. If you're on our email list over at theminimalists.com, you'll be the first to know. Actually, you'll be the second to know. The the people who are the very first to know will be our Patreon supporters. You get an email before tickets are available to even to the public. So, Patreon supporters get first access to all of our events before they go on sale to the public. And by the way, we're doing a bunch of bonus episodes uh, over at Patreon as well. So you can find those right now. you can find old bonus episodes. we're doing live streams. We're trying to do a, a bunch more short and experimental things. and that's all free if you are a patreon supporter. head on over to patreon.com slash the minimalists or you can just go to the click on the donate button at the top. Anyone who supports us with uh, two bucks or more, you get access to all of those private podcasts that don't go out to the world, but Ryan and I,
2: it's so much more freeing too. like, I feel like it's tr- I feel like I can say anything. Cause it's such an intimate like group of people. Yeah. We, we just get naked. It's not in like a million downloads. Yeah. <laughs> and turn the mics on and see and what happens. And we're like minimalism,
1: <laughs> but it's so much fun to, to do those. And, and we can do short experimental ones. And by the way, if you support us on Patreon, none of that money goes to me or it goes to Ryan. it, it goes to building a podcast and film studio which is what we're working on we want to do a lot more video content if you loved our documentary we're doing some mini documentaries we're filming interviews we're going to do a bunch of other cool stuff we've got some other good announcements coming in uh, in the coming weeks so make sure you subscribe to our regular podcast on itunes or or wherever actually it's not even called itunes anymore man they call it apple podcast do you think that's gonna stick i don't care (laughs) Um yeah so wherever you subscribe to the podcast subscribe to this support us on Patreon if you can afford it we really appreciate that it keeps our podcast 100% advertisement free Ryan should we dive into this episode it's called Deep and it was in Indianapolis Indiana at the Egyptian Room which was such I mean honestly it was my top 3 of of all of our tour stops so It is far. so
2: funny how like you and I have Different tastes? It was an outstanding tour stop. I loved it, man. But it was probably like one of my least favorite. Wow. Because there were so many outstanding tour stops. No, you know, I'll tell you what made that tour stop, if it, if it was to be one of my favorites. Um, well, actually, I'll, I'll say this. It was my favorite tour stop so far when it comes to the special guests that mm. we've had. Yeah. and 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 we've had some outstanding guests, but like Andrew Bell... Dude, I'm just gonna say it, man. The album Black Bear makes my heart sing, man. (laughs) Yeah. We played that out, but it doesn't get played out. It's the only album I've ever played out that like like, you you stop listening to it for a couple weeks, you can go right back to it.
1: Like it's if you if it was on cassette, like it would be that one cassette that just won't break. Right. Like even though you keep playing it over and over. And so, man, I'm I'm guessing I'm gonna be doing the same thing with with his new album dive deep yeah all right check the show notes y'all we'll see you on tour really soon we've got some other exciting news coming up uh i think it's next week we're gonna no it's in two weeks we're gonna be talking about uh we're moving somewhere we're gonna talk about it we've been in montana for the last five years we're going somewhere else to be continued
3: all
2: right y'all we'll see you soon see you next time my name is Joshua Fields Milburn and I am Ryan Nicodemus and together we are the Minimalists. And we are li-
1: And we are live at the Egyptian Room in Indianapolis, Indiana. Hello y'all. So we're going to have some fun tonight. We're going to answer some of your questions. Uh, we have a microphone set up somewhere over here. So whoever wants to break the seal, he- here's what happens. There's always a trepidatious person and they, and they don't start. But there are like 500 plus people here tonight. We can't answer all the questions in the hug line afterward. And so now is the best time to ask questions. We'll try to get to six plus questions tonight. And, uh, but first, let's talk about touring real quick. Ryan... Your hand right now looks like it took Viagra. Yeah. Man, if that lasts for
2: longer than four hours, consult your doctor. <laughs> I got stung by a wasp uh, a couple of days ago. And uh, yeah, it's, it does look a little mutated right now. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we, a lot uh, of fun stuff happens on tour.
1: <laughs> we, yeah, we've been on the road and, and crazy things happened. Uh, someone hit me in a hit and run yesterday. In uh, Dayton, Ohio, everything was fine. I, I don't even know if he knows that he hit me. It was like this big-ass truck, and his wheel, his, his back wheel just sort of took off half of the bumper on the rental car. And, um, yeah, he just kept going, and I was sort of left there, puzzled, scratching my head. Yeah. And um, We had someone break into our car in San Francisco. Yeah, that was last week, though. <laughs> it, was, it was such an honor. Of all the cars... Yeah. On that street, they could have broken into. They broke into ours. The idiots didn't realize we were minimalists.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It's so fun. I was, uh, like, walking out to get something out of the van, my sunglasses or something, and uh, podcast Sean had parked the car. And, uh, you know, hey, where's the car? Oh, it's over on the street. Take a left. So I'm walking down, and I see this van with, like, a window busted out. (laughs) And I was like... Those poor suckers. (laughs) I was like, "Wait a minute, that's our van!" (laughs) Uh, Luckily, there wasn't too much in there. I think they got some of uh, Matt Diavella's. He had some like tripods for his cameras, and um, they opened up all the boxes of books. I don't think any were missing, though. (laughs) So don't
1: worry. There was still some in the lobby afterward. Uh, no, seriously, if uh, if you can't afford a book tonight and you want to grab one of our books, we'd be happy to buy you a copy tonight afterwards. So we, we always hang out, and you're, you're welcome to grab one if you can't afford it. Yeah, thanks. Just uh, just minimize it afterward, please. Uh, you, you can donate it to a local library or friend, family member, an enemy, someone. Uh, we've uh, Oh, and what else happened? I... Uh, there was blood everywhere. You already heard about that, though, right? Uh, there was a podcast episode called Blood Chocolate. I'll let you go back and listen to that. I bled all over a Love's bathroom for an hour. Uh, I won't give you any other details, but you can, you can figure that one out. Howdy. What's your name? Uh, where are you from, and what's your question?
4: Hi. My name is Rose. I am from Ottawa, Illinois. And I know. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I really appreciate, Josh, that you do a lot of talking about being an introvert. Uh Uh-huh. A lot of
1: irony in that, huh?
4: I know. That's awesome. (laughs) And I am an introvert as well. So I have a wonderful gig. I am an elementary art teacher, Mm. which is wonderful. I get to be with a lot of kids fostering creativity and watching their minds work, which is amazing. It's the best job. Um, But as an introvert, I see... A thousand kids every week and it drains me yes so by the end of each week I'm really exhausted from all of that Mm. so here you are Josh on the road Mm -hmm. with seeing thousands of people all the time yeah how do you balance doing these kinds of things and your introverted side to your personality and you know don't become so depleted
1: yeah it's an important question because, so I was, I'm from Dayton, Ohio. I was driving around Dayton, Ohio uh, yesterday before the big pickup truck hit me. And um, I was just remembering that, so so my, one of the jobs that I did at one point, I was a, a regional manager for a bunch of retail stores in the greater Dayton area. So which is like Springfield, Ohio to Lebanon, Ohio is the, the general area. And I remember like I was driving around it, it 's very sprawling, most Midwestern cities are pretty sprawling, and so it would sometimes it would take you know half hour hour, hour, and a half to get where I was going. But I remember dr- my drives around Dayton being more pleasant than they should be and it was I realize now, like in retrospect like i 'm looking in, in, in the rear view metaphorically at, at my you know twenty six year old life or whatever uh, a decade ago, and I realized that that was the only time in my days where I was alone from the time that I woke up until the time that I went to bed, the only time that I was ever alone was when I was in the car. And I didn't, I didn't realize that I was an introvert even because I tried so hard not to be an extrovert, but to have you know, constant contact with people, right? And I think part of that was good. In fact, part of it was uncomfortable. Uh, I don't think I could do this right now if, if when I did, if I didn't turn 18 and go get a sales job right away. I went and got a sales job, and I was so freaking awkward for like the first year um, because I wasn't good at interacting with people. But it's just like any other pattern. Once you once you build that groove, you start to be able to. You know, I'll never be a master extrovert, but I've learned how to. Um, be more socially competent through processes like that. The problem is when we overcompensate and then of course I was spending 90%, 95% of my waking hours around other people and that doesn't work. And so what I do now is I set expectations with the people closest to me and they know even with the people like, absolutely close to me, Ryan or my partner Rebecca or Ella, our four-year-old, um, it, it's hard to do this but it's important to do it. I spend 80% of my time alone. And, and I carve that time out accordingly. It's harder to do that on the road, but it's still, it's still totally possible. And, and I find that that's important, not just for me, but for the other people, because that other 20%, I'm so much better. Uh, my partner, Bex, she, she said the other day when you know, I was playing with Elle in the backyard, she was, she was making dinner, and she, I'm not a marathoner. I'm a sprinter when I'm with other people. And she, she had this, this observation. I realized, like, I'm really good in short bursts with other people. But if I'm forced to be around you for hours and hours and hours, it's not you, it's me.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can definitely attest to that. I'll, I'll ask Josh out to dinner or something before a show, and he's like, no. Like I, I got to go walk around, man. <laughs> can I walk with you? <laughs> no. <laughs> I remember... Um, uh, uh, when his, his mom had, had passed away, um, the, the girl that he was dating at the time uh, she like he went down to Florida and he told me like hey man, I'm going to be gone for a week um, you know, please don't call me, don't email me. And I'm like, yeah, no problem like I've, I've known him for so long, I know exactly uh, where he's coming from and, and what he needs for himself and um, the girl that he was dating calls me up and she's like Ryan, what's what's wrong with Josh? I'm like, well, his mother just passed away. Like, what do you think is wrong? She, wrong with him? And she's like, no, no, he told me, he told me that he, did, he didn't like wanna, you know, talk for a week and that he needed some alone time. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that, that's Josh. And she was like, Ryan, I know you're his best friend, <laughs> but I am his girlfriend. And I, I, I don't know what's going on, and I'm like, oh, you know, I, that's who Josh is. And just as I'm hanging up at the phone, I'm like, well, that's not going to last very long. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think I think Josh brings up a good point. Um, you know, we all we all have needs, and you know, uh, when it comes to Josh and I's relationship, I know what his his needs are, and I give him that alone time. And there are uh, times where I need you know Josh's help working something out. And uh, if he has the energy, he'll he'll, he'll, he'll give me that need. Um, but yeah, I think the uh, the give and take is what is what is super important with any re- relationship. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Howdy.
5: Hi. Um, What's your name? Aaron. And I live in Westfield, which is about 20 minutes north of Indianapolis. Welcome. Thanks. Thank you for coming. It's so surreal to be here with you guys so close. Uh, just puts a body with a disembodied voice on my podcast.
1: I've been told that I'm the voice in some people's heads.
5: <laughs> yeah, I believe it. Uh, <laughs> so uh, my question today is about goals. Um, because like so many of my peers, for the first like 18 years of my life, the goal was to go to college. But then when you graduate college in your early 20s, it's like, well, that's it, good luck, and you're just kind of sent on your way. So I spent most of my 20s just kind of being aimless and wandering around, and I decided to fix it with the goal of going to grad school, but, (laughs) which gave me another goal, graduating. (laughs) Um, But I'm about 11 months out from that graduation, and I am terrified about what happens after. And I know I've read that um, essay that you wrote about goals, life without goals for 100 days, like 17 times, but it still is scary about what comes next. So if you could maybe talk about what that looks like or how that feels, or maybe a little encouragement.
1: Sure, well, let's talk about it first. So why are goals important to you? Uh,
5: I feel like it helps give me focus or something to resist against.
1: Okay. That's good. That's good. So, so maybe let's just change our language a little bit. We've been enculturated to, to believe that goals are a good thing. And I don't think they're inherently good or inherently bad. I think they're a thing and sometimes they're a tool that help us. And so I, I did that experiment where I got rid of goals. It ended up being for a hundred days. I didn't say how long at first, cause I didn't want that to be a goal. <laughs> it seems like it defeat the purpose. And so I said, you, you know what? I'm going to live without goals. Uh, a friend of mine, Leo Babalta, uh, had, had done it, and he, he had written about it. And I'm like, this sounds interesting. And and so – but before that, I, I of course, used to be the goal guy. I mean, I had goals for everything, spreadsheets and formulas, and, and, and I had sub-goals and consumer purchasing goals and vacation goals, uh, fitness goals. I had so many goals, they stressed me out. And I, I was actually – I felt like I was constantly behind, and it added to this layer of anxiety onto me. Uh, and I think most of those goals weren't actually helpful. They were anxiety-producing. They didn't help me focus. They kept me scattered. And, and, and so um, there, are, there were a few goals that actually did help me when I, when I focused on a few goals. So the way I, I like to look at it now is if I'm in a crater, so if I have debt, or you know, I used to weigh 80 pounds more than I weigh now, uh, the weight wasn't a goal, but, but being healthy and then defining what healthy was to me w- was a better goal. So, so getting out of a crater is really important. Once I'm out of the crater, though, I prefer to have a direction rather than a goal. So, so here's the way that you might want to look at it. Instead of saying goals, maybe what I would say is try to let go of your expectations. So th- that's the way I would reframe it. It's, it's, it's letting go of the expectations for the thing because expectations breed discontent. And instead, raise your standards. And I'll give you an example. So uh, a few years ago, my favorite thing that I've ever created is a book called Everything That Remains. And and, and Ryan, thank you, that person read it. Um, um, Ryan and I moved to this cabin in the middle of nowhere, Montana, to write that book. And um, I didn't have a goal of I'm going to finish this book. My standard instead was I'm going to write for three hours a day every day. It ended up being a lot more than three hours. Uh, there, there were times where it was 14 hours a day. Uh, but my standard was a pretty high one. Anyone who writes for three hours a day knows that you will get a lot more done than anyone else who is an aspiring writer and doesn't write at all. And... <laughs> And so I I found that my standard was for the quality of work and it wasn't about completing the book. And in fact, um, Ryan and I have published uh, three books together. I've also published a novel before and it was never about finishing the book. It was about the standard of writing and doing it well and not not, not being married to perfection because perfection will mean that it will never be complete. But being... Being open to the idea of I'm going to have a high standard and as long as I can look myself in the mirror and say I did the best job I could do given the resources I had, then then I'm gonna give myself permission to you know, publish the thing or not publish the thing, whatever. But I'm more content with the work itself than I am with the, that expectation or that goal. And I can tell you this though, every time I have an expectation or a goal, uh, it starts to it starts to stress me out, and I, it happens to me all the time. We all have expectations about something. I find expectations creeping into my life, and uh, I, I want every single event to be perfect i want I want you know the, the we were in l a recently, and it was a truly outstanding event uh, we, we did a, a a podcast with rob bell and uh, who's yeah he 's great i um, I really look up to him, and, and his work has affected me in profound ways, and so I wanted this thing to go outstanding, and I had these, this expectation of how the night was going to go, and it was like 99% of the way there, and the whole next day I'm beating myself up because I didn't meet the goal, right? I was 99% to go, but it was an outstanding evening. That's because my, my standards are high. So if I would have let go of the expectation before then, I would have had a better night. And I would actually, would have, I would have been more in the moment. I would have enjoyed it more.
2: Well, I would say your first goal, if you're in debt from grad school, would be to get out of debt.
5: Yeah, yeah, no, that's definitely on the list.
2: <laughs> and, and, and I think that's what you should start with. At the end of the day, to just to think about what your goals are going to be when you graduate is overwhelming. Mm -hmm. The more you stack on top of it, the the more overwhelming it's going to be. I mean, for me, um, when I was uh, done with that packing party and, and trying to pay off my debt and trying to save money, I took it just a piece at a time. It was like, okay, my car, I'm just gonna focus on getting rid of this car payment. Okay, my home. I'm going to uh, you know figure out a way to either sell this home or rent it out and get rid of uh, of this mortgage. Uh, I took the same approach when I was you know putting stuff on Craigslist and selling it. So I, I think when it comes to goals in general, like the biggest the biggest tip I can give anyone, and I tell my mentoring students this all the time, is just choose one goal i have people all the time who come to me like well i want to start eating healthy and i want to start exercising regularly and i want to start uh you know writing that book and you know how can i find time to do all three of those things and the honest answer is you probably can't there's probably someone out there who could do it don't get me wrong but um that's a pretty pretty uh, tall uh pretty tall expectation and um, I do have friends uh, who do approach things that way. Like I, when we moved to Phillipsburg in that cabin, uh, the first person I, I really connected with there, uh, she uh, was an artist. Um, she painted. She sculpted. She was a uh, singer-songwriter. She was a writer. Or I think I already said that, didn't I? No, I didn't. No, yeah, okay. she was a writer. So she had like these four things that she was really passionate about. And she was like, just, I, just wanted, I just want to figure out how can I earn you know, an income from, from uh, doing this stuff. And I told her, I'm like, you have to pick one thing. And when I said that, she's like, oh, I knew you were going to say that. She's like, I don't want to pick anything. I'm like, well, you know, that, that's up to her, right? Like, I, it's just my two cents anyway. I mean, I am wrong sometimes, believe it or not. <laughs> but, you know, it turns out um, she, she took the same approach. Uh, she's at a point now where she is um, uh, basically hosting these like poetry slam, uh, open mic night uh, type things, and then she'll bring in special guests. So she's basically, you know, a booking agent for uh, poets in, in Portland, Oregon. And she got there by having that approach. It was six years later before she finally felt comfortable, like, oh wow, like, I'm actually. You know, doing something that I like, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm earning a little bit of uh, income from it. Um, but I always give her a hard time because I'm like, hey, if you would have if you would have approached it a little bit differently, you could have been doing this three years ago. But- you know, another lesson to learn from that is the thing she is doing right now.
1: Uh, to earn a living, It's something it's something that sounds like she's passionate about, it wasn't one. It doesn't sound like it was one of the four things she initially planned to do while she was back there in Phillipsburg either. And so, also be be open to pivoting in a way. Mm. I mean, this this whole minimalist thing was a beautiful accident, and and I never expected any of this. I never ever expected to be recognized on the street, in, unless you know I was running from the cops or something. <laughs> Yeah, there was, there, was, there was no way, and so I, what, what I can tell you is just be, be open to pivoting. I wanted to write fiction, and so Ryan came me with the idea of, why don't we write some nonfiction, and we didn't even know it was called a blog at the time, and so we started writing essays on the web, and um, yeah, so, so be, open to, be open to that pivot. Have you read Everything That Remains?
5: Yeah. Okay. And I bought essential tonight. Oh so.
1: wow! Oh, I was gonna give you, you a copy, it. but thank you, thank oh. you for your support. I appreciate it.
5: It'll be gas money for your next adventure. Uh, you're the best. Thank you. <laughs> okay, thank you.
1: Howdy. What's your name?
6: Hi, my name is Erica. I am from Indianapolis, Indiana.
1: Hi, Erica. You mind Hi. moving that mic up just a tad? That yes. way we can hear you.
6: From Indianapolis, Indiana.
1: Awesome.
6: Um, I found your blog because I moved six years ago with only the items in my car to Atlanta, and I didn't know anybody else that like survived after doing that. Um, And so I was like googling like, and then I was okay. Like after I moved and I only had that stuff, I was like, I'm okay still. And so I started googling. purging like what is this thing and i happen up on your block so thank you for that i just felt like i wasn't crazy no thank you I found- I, wait real quick
1: you know it's, it's amazing we'll get people come to our event sometimes and they'll say yeah, when i was going off to college 30 years ago i remember i could fit everything in my car when i first moved out for the first time i could fit everything in my car and it was the happiest time of my life I just wish I could get back to that. I just look at I'm like, why can't you? I mean The truth is we don't need to own nearly as many things as we, we thought or we needed to own or we think we need to own. We all need some stuff. Ryan and I aren't here to tell you to get rid of all, all of your things. And one person's life who's a minimalist is going to look different from another person's life. And you don't have to even be a minimalist. You don't have to use that word but if you're looking to simplify, you might you might start to question you know some of the things that that will this fit in my car if I if I need to go <laughs> or the other question was like like um, you know if you if your house was on fire what would you grab in, in 30 seconds or if you had to move in 30 minutes what are the things you would grab that that might help you identify what are the, some of the things that are most important Eric I've cut you off sorry. <laughs>
6: Oh, no problem. So my question is about, like, guilt. So I've always loved fashion, vintage, and, like, thrifting and hunting for thrifted vintage stuff. And in so doing that, I um, resell items online, but periodically I feel guilty because I'm still bringing stuff in, even though I'm selling stuff. It's kind of, like, business related. So I wanted, like, some tips or insight when you aren't feeling like minimalist enough even though i like fashion yeah
1: like and, and there's there's nothing there's nothing wrong with fashion when i i say that line at the beginning of my talk about having the closets uh, closets full of designer clothes we were in LA recently and i got a, that line got a woo and i just heard some woo <laughs> And I'm not judging that. You, you know, I, I um, if anything, I just identify with it, right? Because I had, I had excess clothes. It doesn't sound to me like the things you're talking about are excess. Well, why do you feel guilty, you think?
6: Just the act of bringing okay. things in. like, yeah. And even though I sell them and ship some of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I <laughs> know, I bring
1: I know a lot about guilt. I, I grew up Catholic. <laughs> And and so I I can tell you this sometimes guilt is just a warning sign and and other times it's it's an unnecessary emotion and we need to figure out is this the good kind of guilt like you know if I went and and, robbed a bank today I'm going to feel pretty guilty about that right. and it's a warning sign to say, hey, you just did something wrong. But other times, what it, the guilt might be saying to you is, someone else thinks I'm doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned is I care a lot less about what other people think, and I care a lot more about what I think. And I think it's important to, to break it down that way. Um, our, our producer, Podcast Sean, who's in the back, by the way. Ladies and gentlemen, Podcast Sean. <laughs> He's hidden in the shadows as usual. Uh, he's really the man behind all the minimalism. He helps us out with everything—operations, tour, podcast—and um, and his wife does that part time. She she spends probably twenty hours a week going out buying things at thrift shops, and she ends up being a, the the middle man, middle woman. Is that is that the appropriate <laughs> vernacular? She's the middle person between. Um, the, you know, the thrift shop in Missoula, Montana, and the person in Indianapolis who wants to buy the vintage uh, jeans or, or whatever, you know, she sells the stuff on Poshmark, and, and because that adds value to other people's lives, she earns money from it. I think I think it's a noble thing. What you're doing is actually helping other people connect with other vintage items, which by the way, is a really responsible way to buy clothes. Yeah, this shirt I bought, I bought, I bought online used, and it was like eight bucks. And in doing that, it's it was like gently used. You know, someone probably wore it three or four times, and they got rid of it, didn't like it for whatever reason. And so, someone else didn't have to recreate that thing and ends up in a landfill. I was able to use it, and I'll continue to use it until it has enough holes that I decide to get rid of it. But, but it's up to you to determine. Am I feeling guilty? because I'm doing something wrong, or am I feeling guilty because I'm afraid of other people's judgment?
2: Can I tell you where I heard the guilt in your question?
3: Please.
2: It was when you said, and sometimes I, or sometimes I get rid of stuff. <laughs> Which makes me think that you know maybe you do come across, like that's a, I wish I could pull denim off. I, I love that joke. <laughs> But, but you know, maybe you come across an awesome denim jacket, and you're like, man, this is really cool. Like, I really don't want to sell this. I will wear this. And, and you keep it. And I know that if I had that attitude towards clothes or anything, um, I would very quickly start having junk drawer number six and seven. Um, I, I think when it comes to that guilt, like Josh said, I mean, be honest with yourself. Is it... Is it someone else judging you or is it actually something that you need to look at? And if it is something that you need to look at, then incorporate some rules into your life that are going to help you at least get stuff out of the house. You know, I used to be like a big fan of the one-in-one-out rule, Mm -hmm. but I think that can be really dangerous too. Um, So I'm I'm kind of suggesting that, but I'm kind of not suggesting that. (laughs) uh, You could do
1: one in, ten out.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. But yeah, I I would say that the the guilt is definitely there for a reason. It's figuring out where that guilt is coming from and then acting on, if you do need to act on something, by incorporating rules. Um, You know, Josh and I, we've got the... uh, For those who don't know about the 90-90 rule, um, Josh and I came up with this thing where it's like, all right, um, I've got this thing. I open up, you know... My, my, my junk drawer and it starts to overflow a little bit. And instead of creating junk drawer number two, you know, uh, Mariah and I, we make sure that we have only one junk drawer in the house. So when it starts to overflow, I'll have this thing in there. Maybe it's like a you know, USB cable. I don't even know what it you know, attaches to. And, and it's just that. I'm like, wait a minute. I don't even know what this goes to. I know I haven't used it in the last 90 days. I'm probably not gonna use it in the next 90 days. Uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get rid of that. And it's incorporating things like that that I think will help you uh, feel less guilty moving forward. Thank you. Erica, have you read our, our book, Essential? I have
1: not. Okay, I'd love to give you a copy. Jessica, are you around here somewhere? Um, there There's 12 different chapters <laughs> on intentional living. It's like 12 different areas of intentional living. And one of those areas is stuff. And I think you'll find value in it. Ladies and gentlemen, Jessica Williams. Yeah. Jessica is the woman behind the minimalism. She runs a great podcast called The Mind Palace, by the way. But um, And also, she does all of our social media stuff while we're on the road, which is really helpful, and she's she'll be in the back with us after we're with, with the merch as well. Uh, before we move on to, to some more questions, for the folks listening to this at home, if you have a comment or tip for anyone who's asking a question today, you can give us a call, leave us a voicemail at 406-219-7839, or you can also send a voice memo right from your phone. Email it over to podcast at theminimalists.com, and we will air our favorite comments and tips on a future episode. Ryan, do you know what time it is?
2: Mm. Oh, yeah, man. Tell me. It is time for our hashtag Ask the Minimalist lightning round. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, uh, this is where we answer questions
1: usually from social media. We're at The Minimalist on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Uh, but since you're here tonight, you're going to ask a regular question, and, and usually we have a while to give you a really pithy answer, but we'll ponder on until we get something that's pithy that... Is tweetable for, for the evening. By the way, Jess usually does some live tweeting tonight, so you can find a lot of the things that, that we talk about tonight, the, the pithy version. that's always in the show notes as well. So uh, you can give us your question, normal question. You'll get a normal-ish answer with a bow on top.
7: <laughs> okay. Uh, first of all, my name's Amy Adams. Hey, I Amy am Adams. from three blocks away. And Austin. I love that band. <laughs> um, it's rather unfortunate timing with the lightning round. I had a comment. I'm the community leader of the Indianapolis meetup group.
1: Ah, uh, that's awesome. perfect. Yeah.
7: <laughs> so um, I just wanted to say hi to everybody and let everybody know to go to minimalist.org and click on Indianapolis. That will take you to our Facebook page. And uh, you can join our group. We have meetings every month, and we do some fun things too, like game night or happy hour. So it's a fun group, and we get to talk about things like this. So while you're still feeling inspired by these two gentlemen, because I know you will be, please look us up and join our group.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, so Amy runs uh, the, the local group here. We, in 2014, Ryan and I went out to 100 cities, did a 100 city tour, 119 events. So we basically donated a year of our lives to, to get out and, and spread this message. And, and the crowd started to grow and people would come up and say, how do I connect with open minded people locally? And I'd always say, I don't know. And, and so we, we, left, uh, we left behind 100 local meetup groups in 100, 100 different cities. And this is one of them. Amy, thank you so much for what you do.
2: Thank you very much,
7: Amy. And- I do have somewhat of a question, too. Certainly. Um, Mine deals with relationships, and we're talking about being intentional about uh, physical items that we bring into our lives. But how can you be more intentional about the relationships that you invite into your life? Because I'm, I'm kind of a friendly person, and I make friends with people very easily, and the next thing I know, I have friends not friendly and that's more demanding on my time
1: what do you well let me let me just expand on that. what do you mean you have friends not uh...
7: rather than rather than just an acquaintance that I say hello to and that's good enough it turns into hey let's go get coffee hey let's go to this movie hey let's get together and spend some time together Yeah, yeah as opposed to just it's good enough to say hello and how are you and let's chat about this thing that interests us both and then move on our way
1: yeah, so, so I, my, my pithy answer, I'll start with that, and then maybe I'll, I'll unpack it a little bit. Uh, my, my pithy answer for you, we call these minimal maxims, by the way. Um, I think the answer is that, I'm, I'm trying to tweet it in my head here. <laughs> Don't mistake quantity for quality. The people who are closest to me in my life um, this is my unpacking at this point um, the, the the people who are close to me in my life they, they, they don't necessarily I, I don't see them every day I have some close friends that I see once a year uh, I have some some close friends who I see once a month and that's okay Ryan and I don't even hang out that much I go on tour just so I think he, he goes on tour so he can hang out with me um, and and I think it's okay. And and it's really about setting those expectations. Um, Let the other people know what you're, what else you're saying yes to instead of just saying no. Um, The, the, the worst thing you could tell someone is can't, I'm busy. That just means you're out of your life's out of control. But if instead, because busy just really means that I have no control over my, my daily activities. Um, Instead, let, let them know, like if Ryan, like today, Ryan did ask me to go to dinner with him, and I said, I'm really going to enjoy walking around right then, at that time. And he's like, all right, cool. And the people who care most
2: about you will understand. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, uh, I'm going to ramble until hopefully I get a good pithy answer. But it sounds to me like you are the one saying yes to all this stuff. They're asking you, hey, um, yeah, do you want to go grab a movie? And maybe they are a really cool person. Um, if you're telling someone yes, though, when it is a uh, detriment to yourself, like if jo- Josh would have said yes, you know, earlier, uh, you know, I haven't been out to dinner with Ryan in a while and I, man, I really should go walk around, but I'm going to tell him yes anyway, because I don't want to hurt his feelings. You know, first off, I don't want Josh to make that decision. Like I want him, when he tells me yes, I want to, I want him to mean yes. I certainly don't want to pity dinner. <laughs> <laughs> But (laughs) that's my pithy answer. I don't want a pity dinner. (laughs) Pity tastes awful. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I guess um, what I'll say is, uh, you know, regardless of whether you tell your friends yes or no, as long as you're honest with them, that's what really matters. Yes. Thanks, Amy. Thank you. Howdy.
8: Hello. What's your name? I'm Kim. Hey, Kim. And um, I live about eight blocks due east of here. (laughs) Do I hear ten blocks? Yeah. (laughs) Um, First, do you do interventions? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Um,
1: (laughs) What do you think this
8: is? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Actually, I've been standing here in line thinking, like, oh, my God, there's so many things I could ask. So I'm just kind of curious to keep my question short in that what when what year did you say you guys started kind of this trek? like how long has this been circa
1: 2009
8: okay so I was just curious to what extent if any did the housing banking crash and all that in '08? did that kind of help you like oh we're on the right path here kind of mm-hmm.
2: thing yeah. Um, yeah yeah definitely so, so
1: I, I think that that life goes in cycles, right? And so, two thousand eight was a, a strange year because in the corporate world, I was in two thousand eight is sort of when I had reached this pinnacle. I was a director of operations for a whole bunch of retail stores in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana, and I once the crash happened, like we had to start downsizing and. It was a, a weird, a weird thing that happened to me. Uh, it was late 2010. We had downs. We had gone through several rounds of downsizing, and I got really good. Josh, what? It was right sizing. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's what they told me. That was actually the the language HR encouraged us to use. We were right sizing. <laughs> I've got some good news. You've been right sized. <laughs> uh, no, I. And so. I, I had to go through. I got really good at, at firing people, basically laying them off, and um, never enjoyed it. But you know, it, it becomes something you get used to over time. And there was finally uh, toward the end of of 2010, after several of these cycles, my boss came to me. It was a few weeks before Christmas, and he said, "Well, we have to close eight eight more stores." and we have to lay off 42 people. We have two weeks to put together a plan, and we're gonna tell everyone as soon as the holiday shopping season is over. And I said, okay, well, I can do that. You know, I've done it before, and but I had never laid off 42 people at a time. Like I I'd laid off that many before, but like in small chunks. It's like there are these drug mules who, who carry drugs over the border from Mexico to the United States, and they'll give them like 100 balloons filled with heroin but they don't give them 100 balloons to swallow at once. They just give you four balloons to swallow, and then they put four more on the table. This time, he put all the balloons on the table <laughs> and said, I need you to get rid of these 42 people, and you have two weeks to put together a plan. So I did. I went home, and, and um, I was working on the plan. I had this spreadsheet. And I had all these names in the spreadsheet of, like, based on the data. I was going to let the data tell the story, right? Whoever the 42 people we needed to get rid of, the data would tell me who. And I, I got to that. But then it didn't feel right because these weren't just names on a spreadsheet. These were fathers and husbands and daughters and mothers and friends and family. They were people. And looking at it on just a spreadsheet was looking at a rainbow in grayscale. And so I put together the plan in two days and my name was the first name on the list. And so I laid myself off. I I said, I can't do this anymore. It doesn't align with the person I want to become. And so I think sometimes tragedy, whether it's a a downturn, this is my short answer, by the way. um, (laughs) Sometimes tragedy Illuminates the path.
2: It's good, man. <laughs> Thanks. Man, I had so much time to think about something, and <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I was definitely affected. Uh, I had to. I tried to sell my house. Um, I was so upside down on it that, uh, and this was a few years after the crash and it was crazy. Cause like in 2008 I was renting and then um, I had a friend who uh, sold houses. Uh, uh, you know, this was, uh, I think I bought that house in 2010. So it was a couple years later and they were telling me like, you know, now's the time to buy. Like this is, the prices are low. Not everything is bounced back, but it is bouncing back. You know, it can only get better from here. And um, it did not get better for, for my property. It, it kept, it kept uh, losing value. So when I went to go sell it, it was impossible to get what I owed out of it. So I ended up renting it. And I still, um, it was like a net negative $100. So I essentially had to pay like 100 bucks a month after my tenant paid their, their rent. Um, you but had I'll, to pay 100 bucks a month to rent your house to people. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it was crazy. Solid investment. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I'll say though is, I was really, I was really glad though that this thing called minimalism came into my life because it really helped me to regain control of my finances, to to regain control of my time. So that hundred bucks a month, it's it was a lot of money. I was able because of uh, you know the the habits and, and this philosophy I had brought into my life. Um, I was I was able to do that. I really wish I would have started sooner. I mean, that's, people always ask me, like, well, you know, what's the one thing, is there anything you regret? And I'm like, yeah, I really wish I would have started so much sooner. Like, the most encouraging thing we've had happen on this tour, uh, this is totally an aside, so I'm sorry I'm, like, derailing this question. Um, But we were in uh, San Diego, and we were going out with, uh, uh, for the meet and greet line to hand out hugs. And as we are walking up to the front of the line, um, there's these, uh, this couple who has a daughter, and they're like, go on, go on. And she like, came up to us, and she's like, I'm five. <laughs> I'm like, cool. <laughs> um, and she was like, I just donated a bunch of my clothes. I, no, like, I was so taken back by this. And I'm like, wow, here's a five-year-old girl. Like, she is so much further ahead than me. Like... <laughs> I really wish I would've started. So, um, all right, I got a pithy answer, and and I do say this a little bit tongue in cheek. Um, Start incorporating minimalism into your life now before you're forced into becoming a minimalist.
3: (laughs) Thank you.
1: We have time for one more, and so, We'll, we'll answer one more question. I want to apologize to the other folks in line. I promise you we'll get a hug afterward. Um, Howdy, what's your name?
9: Hi, I'm Marissa. Hey, Marissa. I, uh, I'm from South Bend, but I'm currently moving down to Fort Wayne, so I'm kind of from two places. Nice. Uh, I actually have an observation and then a question. As I'm moving and unpacking in, in my fiancé's house, I have been listening to The Minimalists and The Mind Palace, and let me tell you, I get rid of a ton more shit when I'm listening to you guys than if I'm That's just listening awesome. to the radio.
1: <laughs>
9: just in case stuff is out the door.
2: Oh, good All good.
9: right, so I had just graduated from college. I paid my way through college, so I am completely debt-free. Um,
2: <laughs> that, is, that is amazing. Thank you. I mean, for, like, I think, I think debt-free, like, that is the new American dream. Like, that to me is... It, that, that's freedom right there. Congratulations.
6: Thank you.
9: Um, and it took me seven years, but I did it, and I have graduated with an English degree because I am an inspiring an aspiring writer, and a uh, minor in dance. And I'm trying to figure out with me moving into this brand new place, Fort Wayne. When I found out I was graduating, you know, they were they were forcing me out. I went to the library and cried because. School had been my safe place for these seven years, and now I'm I'm done, and I'm trying to figure out how to cultivate my passions and to actually move forward with my life outside of school and my, and my safe place. Do you guys have any advice?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, so the thing that's safe about college or factory work or or. Anything in, in that vein is that it's regimented, right? It's, it's, you're told what to do, when to be there, when to raise your hand, when to speak. A- and uh, It's a type of cage in a way, right? It's, yeah. it's a well-decorated cage. Oh, here's my pithy answer for you then. It's, um, <laughs> it's like a light bulb just turned on. The bird who enjoys her cage still isn't free.
2: Oh, I thought you had something. You, you were done. <laughs> Dude, those are expensive mics, man. No, Not drop that mic. <laughs> no, that was awesome, man. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, when it comes to you know, cultivating passion, you, you've got to start somewhere. So, you know, you've had this routine, essentially, that's, that was laid out for you. And it is hard to come up with your own routine. There's no doubt about it. Um and it, it will take some trial and error. Uh but you know the advice I will give you is start figuring out what that what that routine is. And it sounds to me like you're gonna have some time to cultivate a passion. Um do you have anything standing out that, that you like you really want to cultivate?
9: My long term goal would be to someday open up my own dance studio um and to be a published author. And I am now that I'm done writing my papers for school, I have started actually writing my novels and stuff again, and I'm trying to find dance studios in Fort Wayne that I can start attending and building up sort of my, my, reperto- my repertoire for, you know, moves and, and different um, people that I can rely on to help me you know, get better yeah. and, and stuff.
2: Cool. It um, sounds like two goals, yeah. two really big goals. <laughs> and what I was saying earlier, I would definitely say like you've got to choose one. Big one. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's no. That's awesome. Uh, you said you already are writing.
8: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so you've kind of already started, you know, cultivating that passion. Yeah. I, I think that. Um, I think you're gonna be okay as long as you can figure out how to uh, find that time that you were once spending at school. And and uh, yeah, start start doing start doing, start writing more. Man, I'm really struggling here. to Come up with a pithy answer. <clears throat> It'll come to me. Hold on. Okay. I'm not done yet. <laughs> I was gonna jump in. Oh, go for it. No, no I was I was gonna give you lifeline. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> What's your Can is I phone? That? A friend. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need
1: one that's climate controlled? <laughs> go ahead. What were you we gonna say? Oh, just uh, the. Uh, No, I'll I'll give you, I was trying to give you a pithy answer. Oh, yeah.
2: No, so um, your question is about cultivating passion. Um, If you just sit around and aspire, there's going to be aspiration everywhere.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Sorry to the rest of the line, folks. I really do apologize. We have to move on. I'm way over on time to our added value segment of the show. This is where Ryan and I talk about things that have added value to our lives recently. And since we're in Indianapolis, let's, let's do a little local f- flair. Ryan, yeah. what's been adding value to your life here in
2: Indy? Well, first off, you've got to give it up for the Egyptian room. This, is this an amazing venue or what? Yeah. So... Uh, Josh and I, we, when we lived in Ohio, we would drive to Indianapolis all the time to see concerts and a lot of them were here. There's another venue called Radio Radio that has some, that has some cool uh, shows going through it too. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's a cool place I would definitely check out. Um, I ate at this restaurant earlier today called Three Carrots. It's, it's, it was this vegan vegetarian place over in the Indianapolis City Market. Is that, am I saying that right? Um, yeah, it was unbelievable. I mean, I saw – because God love Mariah. She has so much, like, digestional gut flora stuff going on and so many allergies that, like, I saw this vegan vegetarian place, and I was like, okay, like, they're probably going to have some stuff for her um, – Jessica has got some similar stuff going on. I'm just going to tell about everyone's medical issues on stage, apparently. <laughs> um, but anyway, no, we, we went there, and I wasn't, like, super looking forward to it because, well, I, I started eating meat a couple years ago, and, I mean, I love me a nice, big, juicy hamburger sometimes, you know? Um, so, uh, you know, we, we went there and uh, for... for uh, for uh, dietary restriction issues, and I was just, like, blown away. So good. Um, although, it always disturbs me a little bit when they can take a soy product and make it taste better than, like, what the soy product is supposed to represent. <laughs> like, they have these little... Um, I forget what the the name is on the menu, but it's, like, little buffalo wing bites. It's, like, it's better than chicken. I mean, it's, it's so good. Um, but, yeah, those two places, uh, for sure. Actually, before I hand this off to you, I just want to say... Thank you to Mariah, um, who's on tour with us right now. She, she's just an awesome partner. And all I can say is, for those of you out there who have amazing partners, you've gotta like wake up and say thank you every day. And you've gotta figure out a way to go to that partner and show them that you appreciate them every day. Um, it's, it's, this is the first time I've ever had a relationship that was this amazing. And, and what she sacrifices to go on the road with us, or if I have to leave her for a couple weeks, um, it, it just, it makes all the difference in the world. So, thanks, Mar. Thanks, Mar. Brian, <laughs> you, you
1: mentioned, uh, I've seen so many concerts here, but also at Radio Radio the fir- was the first time that I saw Andrew Bell perform. Y'all saw Andrew Bell open up the show today. How about Andrew? <laughs> So, so can, I, can I tell you this? We're actually going to bring him out here in a second and have him play a little something. Ryan and I, ha- we don't always have the same taste in music, but both of us will tell you the best album of this decade is his last album that came out. It's called Black Bear, and it's just such an honor to have him here tonight. And he's got a new album uh, coming out August 25th. It's called Dive Deep, and we're going to bring him out here right now. He'll sing the uh, the title track from, from that album.
10: Thanks, guys. That... Um album of the decade that is that's a tall order to live up to but
1: well you have two months to live up to it <laughs> yeah right
10: <laughs> um, but yeah I really appreciate that a lot um, this this is a, my last song it's called Dive Deep and I'm just honored to be able to be here tonight with uh, Joshua and Ryan playing in front of all you guys thank you for listening and uh, yeah here it goes
3: Listen, my heart, dive deep. You're something that I wanna keep. We get carried away. Don't stop. I've got nothing but time. Come on, where you wanna start? Oh, I don't want to stay about out here on your fire escape But you won't let me go As the ages on your stereo You started to feed you. Started to tie the way With a spark And I don't know you Are you sticking around Are you just passing through This is my But come on you wanna stop and when I disappear New York fell wrong without you did my future 's in your you your colors in my photographs started to we started to tie away with a spark and I don't know you you're what I want, and that's all. You're what I want. This is my heart. you have something that I want to keep. We could carry it away. Don't stop. I've got i
1: Thank you. We're gonna get Andrew to stick around for a minute. You got got a few seconds to chat with us? Awesome. So, um, if you can just hand him that mic, Sean. That'd be great. Beautiful. So, so man, I've seen you live maybe three or four times, and it's different every time. Where 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 have you seen me at? Once like I flew to San Diego just to see you. <laughs> um, Spokane. Yeah, Spokane. We drove out to Spokane. We, we live in Missoula, Montana. It's so yeah. like the closest cities, Spokane yeah, and with, uh, uh
2: yeah, Amy. Oh yeah, yeah,
10: yeah, yeah. Mm. At the Bartlett. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And so then cool. here and uh, in wow. Indy, uh, we 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 were at Radio Radio. Wait, wow. Yeah, that, man. That was a while ago. I haven't played. Yeah, yet. it was probably a decade I ago. It was <laughs> <laughs> a while ago. <laughs> but anyway. uh Andrew's album that that comes out this year and we're really looking forward to it. If you haven't checked out Black Bear, it's it's a phenomenal album. Like Ryan and I Thank play you. out albums all the time when we're on the road. And that's one like it just it won't play out. No. It's <laughs> like the cassette won't break. <laughs> uh, well, um, and then
2: like he followed it up with like some hushed like some more acoustic like yeah. of, of some of the songs on there. And yeah. It it's like it seriously is the only album Ryan and I we can just listen to it on repeat and like never get tired of it. Yeah. All right, uh, uh, really oh, flattering.
1: Yeah, we'll do enough flattery here. But you, ha- you <laughs> yeah. have uh, you have a really interesting podcast, man. You started a podcast recently. It's yep. called stemma,, Yeah. And I'm fascinated by the concept, and also I'm fascinated by the way that you edit it. Really. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Cool. Uh, so, so t- can we talk about the concept of the podcast? Yeah. Because it's unlike anything that that I've heard.
10: Well, so uh, I've been doing music now for like 10 years. Uh, my wife is a chef. She went to culinary school. And, uh, so she's bounced around in kitchens and stuff. And, and, you know, I've always loved to eat, but through our relationship, I've become what I describe as like a, you know, like an amateur enthusiast in food. You know, I never, I don't know. I, I, am not like a chef by any means, but I love to cook and we cook together. And, um, she's, you know, you were talking about, um, you know, your partner's making sacrifices for you. My wife does that very same thing. I mean, she's kind of a little bit foregone a career in, in food to be able to be flexible enough to come travel with me on tour and the road. And um, and, and so for that reason, we, we've we always thought, you know, what are, what's a way that we can marry our love for food and for music? And, you know, people, artists, friends of mine are always coming through town on tour. And somehow they're always ending up at our house, maybe on the couch or whatever. And there's always food involved. And, um, you know, just amazing stories inevitably happen, you know, when you're eating a good meal and you're talking about where people come from and getting to know them and and learning about them, um, you know, through the, like, they'll be saying, oh, this reminds me of this, or, or, you know, I've got a great story about, you know, when I was growing up and my favorite meal. And so we were hearing so many great stories over the years, we thought, there's got to be a way to document this. Um, And first we thought maybe a blog with, like, maybe we, you know, video content and stuff like that, but video, editing video is... Pictures of cats.
2: You need lots of (laughs) pictures of cats.
10: (laughs) videos yeah anyways we it took us many years to figure out that basically the best format in which to deliver these stories to an audience who wants to hear them would be a podcast um my wife loves her probably her favorite thing in the world is to hear people's stories about where they come from and and how they've gotten to you know where they are today and, and food plays such a big role in that in defining um you know and shaping you as an early you know, um, child in your family and the food that maybe your parents cooked growing up and, and how that kind of, your taste develops and, and, and then today, you know, the food that you're interested in now. And we just found that there's so many interesting stories uh, to be told. So we started interviewing artists uh, and we put out a podcast called Stemma where basically we just, you know, every episode is a new singer, songwriter or artist of some kind. We're, we're thinking about expanding that beyond songwriters. Um, and yeah, we just interview them. Where are you from? If you had to choose one dish growing up that sort of defines your childhood, what would that dish be? And then we talk about that and we talk about where they like to eat on tour. And
1: It's, it's like a food podcast, but it's not really about food. It's about memories yeah. found through, th- yeah. through the vehicle of food exactly. in a way. Yeah. And, and to me, I find that for me, food is an entertainment, but it can be that vehicle because my partner is also just a phenomenal cook. She has a great blog called Minimal Wellness, huh. and and she is she creates these experiences that centers around food, but it's not the f- food that is always the most memorable thing. It's the most delicious thing, and it's my yeah. favorite restaurant in Missoula is our kitchen. <laughs> but but I found that what I remember most are the experiences we have around that food yeah. and you find a way to capture it. And the way you edit the podcast is, <laughs> is you have this conversation with them but then it almost turns into this monologue the way that yeah. you edit it. They're they're, yeah. they're reciting their childhood memories <laughs> and going back to their hometown. And you you did one with uh, Matt Wirtz uh, recently, and he's just talking about being back in the Midwest and yeah. and and, uh, and and reliving the childhood sort of through that that sensory experience of of taste and smell and and what it's like
10: to well, d- dive deep in the one's childhood. Yeah, I mean everybody has an interesting story about where they come from and. Uh And everyone has a story about like that favorite meal that their their mom or dad made for them growing up. And yeah, I basically edit it the the way that I do because I don't like, I I tried doing the back and forth question and answer thing and I just thought I sounded like an idiot. So I just edited myself out completely and then I just like narrate the top and the, you know, at the end and I let them just be the feature of the podcast. (laughs) It's really great.
1: So check it out. It's called Stima. It's on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get podcasts. We'll put a link to it in, in the show notes as well. Andrew, I want to thank you so much for being here, guys. Thank
10: you, guys. So much, appreciate it. Thank you.
2: Notice how I didn't give him like one more hug. I didn't want to creep him out. (laughs) (laughs) They're transferable, so you can always pass them on to someone else.
1: Uh, What do they say? You need six six hugs a day for happiness, twelve a day for growth. It sounds like a bullshit study, but like I'll I'll totally buy into that. The cool thing is every time you give a hug, you get one, too. <laughs> Real quick, let's move on to right here, right now. We'll talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. Ryan and I are on a 40-city tour. It's called the Less Is Now Tour. We're in Indianapolis right now. If you take any photos, you want to share anything online, you want to see other people sharing things, use the hashtag less is now That's the name of the tour. And if you're listening to this at home and you want to come see us in any of those 40 cities, you can find all the cities over at lessisnow.com. Also, uh, this is usually the part where we talk about all of our sponsors, right? What mattress are we promoting today? <laughs> <laughs> Someone cackled. That was uh, That's an avid podcast listener. I have a friend who said that uh, podcasts were invented as a conspiracy just to sell mattresses. <laughs> For those of you who listen to other podcasts, they seem to be all over the place. Either that or like there's food delivery services, Ryan. We could always talk about that.
2: Or underwear. Yes.
1: <laughs> Sweat wicking underwear, everyone. Here's the truth you hear 5,000 advertisements a day, and we don't want you to hear 5,000 in one. Um, and it costs us a lot of money to do that. And in fact, the, the amount of advertisers that we turn down at this point, we get 3 million or so people a month that, that listen to the podcast is astounding. So if you want to support The Minimalist podcast, uh, you can do that. You can just go to theminimalists.com. You can click on the, the donate button there. We set up something called Patreon, so you can donate on a per-episode basis. And I just want you to know that none of that money goes to me or Ryan. Um, Wait. I thought we were
2: getting minimalist jets. (laughs) (laughs) I need crisper black t-shirts, man.
1: Now, the, the truth is that it does cost a lot of money to do some of the things we want to do. We're, we're trying to open up a podcast studio. We want to do some more experimental things with the podcast. We want to do shorter episodes, longer episodes, bring some guests on. Uh, we also want to do some videos. So we want to hire a full-time fil- filmmaker. We also want to be able to continue to pay podcast Sean a full-time living wage, wage his family and three kids. We'll certainly appreciate that. And so uh, we don't make any money off the podcast other than what you do to support it. So if you want to head over to TheMinimalist.com, click on Donate. Join the Patreon, folks. We have over 500 patrons right now. That, that uh, list is growing, uh, folks. And we also give away some exclusive podcasts and different exclusive live streams to the folks there. We want to do a whole lot more with video. We want to do a whole lot more with podcasts, but only if uh, we have enough people willing to support us. So we're looking for about 1%, a little less than 1% of our audience to be able to contribute in some way. And we'll be able to use that money to do something really cool. I want to thank some folks uh, before we before we head out of here. We'll be back there in about 20 minutes or so and we'll say hi if you want to stick around, come up and say hi. Um, we thank Sean, we thank Jessica, we thank the theater. Oh, we thank Andrew. You know who else we should thank? Hmm. You. Oh yeah. Thank you for being here tonight. You know what? You call it costs you some money to uh, to show up here tonight and we're grateful for that. It allows us to rent a really awesome theater like this and uh, pay all the staff and the security and and all of those things, but you gave up more than your money. You gave up your time and your attention. And those are your two most precious resources, and we're grateful you decided to spend an evening with us. And so if you leave here with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things, because the opposite never works.
2: Thanks, y'all. Thank you, Indianapolis.
11: My name is Taylor and I'm from Tampa, Florida. I was listening to the nostalgia episode and as someone who's a younger minimalist, um I don't have a whole lot of things necessarily, but I did have a lot of t-shirts that I had accumulated from high school and also from college events and they all do trigger um a lot of great memories for me, but they were really clogging up my closet. Um and so from the transition uh, after college, I actually took all of the t shirts and cut them up and made a no so blanket. So, I'd suggest that anyone who has a lot of t shirts um that would be a useful way for them to get a use out of them. It's great size it's small. I can travel with it when I go uh across the state um or when I get on air uh, just keep all those little things that might trigger nostalgia about an event you went to or about uh, maybe a club you joined
12: um, without having the extra bulk. Hi, Josh and Ryan. This is Bianca speaking. I'm calling from the Netherlands. I have a tip for Ryan and his double swimming trunk dilemma and a travel tip in general, I hope. Ryan told us he didn't like packing an extra set of swimming trunks just in case the first one got dirty on the trip. Personally, I like to use Dr. Bronner's all-one castile soap. I have to add that I am in no way, shape, or form affiliated with this company. Dr. Brommer sells um, pure castile liquid soap, which can be used for over 18 different purposes. You can use this to clean your face, body, hair, dishes, laundry, the whole shebang. So while you're traveling, you'll only need this soap. And Ryan, you can hand wash your swimming trunks. I also love this company for using organic and certified fair trade ingredients, plus they're packaged in recyclable bottles. I really like their philosophy on how to treat the earth and their suppliers. I think this will appeal to many fellow minimalists. I hadn't heard a recommendation on Dr. soap before, so I hope this will help some of you out there. Hi, this is
11: Linda in Kansas City, Missouri, responding to the podcast about nostalgia, I donated my yearbooks to the Midwest Geology Center. They were happy to receive them. I also plan to donate some historical regional history books for Wabunsee County, Kansas and the like because they contain histories of the people who migrated and settled the area. This way they are resources for other people and I'm not the custodian.